Welcome to this special Conversations Shelter in Place episode of the Orbital Perspective Podcast. Where we dolly zoom out to a perspective where upcoming megatrends become visible. Every day, it is more and more apparent that we are in the midst of the great transition. Everything is changing rapidly. The fundamentals of business, government, and society are being rewritten almost on a daily basis. We are truly living during a time where the riskiest course of action is to stay the course. The most hazardous path is to take the tried and true. We are also living during a time where it is becoming more and more apparent that the status quo is not working. At least it's not working for everyone. And until the status quo is working for everyone, we will do nothing more than slap temporary band-aids on our problems and our challenges. We are presently dealing with crisis after crisis. But these crises can serve as a wake-up call. They can be our call to action to incorporate the changes necessary to make us all more resilient and better equipped to deal with the future crises that will undoubtedly come our way. The Orbital Perspective is all about transcending the divisive walls that separate us and embracing the awe and wonder of our shared humanity. What all the guests on the Orbital Perspective podcast have in common is they are all able to see things from a slightly different perspective. And when we look at issues from different perspectives, we see things in stereoscopic vision. Multiple perspectives allow us to see the depth of a situation below the two-dimensional us-versus-them surface. The other thing all our guests have in common is they are all proof that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. Now, this is not an interview, and it's also not just a conversation between two friends. It's a conversation amongst all of us. If you're listening live, please post your questions and your comments so that we can bring you into the conversation. And if you're listening to the recorded conversation, still please join in with your comments and questions and be a part of this evolving community. Thank you for being here and being a part of this conversation from the Orbital Perspective. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another uh, edition of Conversations Sheltered in Place. I'm really excited uh, for today uh, because we're going to have Wasfia Nazarene in a conversation. And um, we're going to talk about expeditionary behavior. And uh, Waspia is an absolute expert on expeditionary behavior, um, especially in remote hostile environments uh, and in isolation and uh, a lot of things that are going to be uh, very applicable to the COVID-19 crisis. Um, besides being an expert in uh, expeditionary behavior, she's also uh, unfortunately now an expert in COVID-19, having contracted uh, the virus, um, and she's been battling that uh, for a while. Uh, and uh, she's so brave in that she's going. To, she's in my. She's she's actually talking to me in my in my headphones, so I could <laughs> I could hear her laughing. Um, so we'll get her. We'll get her on the show soon. But she's really really brave to to get on and 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 to tell everybody about this. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read uh, a little bit from her um, from her bio. Uh, just a, sh- a short. A bit so you know who who we're going to talk to. But I met Waspia uh, in 2012 in Bangladesh, um, 
And uh, I was so impressed with her that I wrote about her in my first book, The Orbital Perspective, uh, because one of the tenets of the orbital perspective is that you don't have to be in orbit to have the orbital perspective. And I wanted to put uh, stories of folks uh, who exhibit the orbital perspective who have never been to space, and, and WASPy was a perfect example of that. Uh, and so, so I, I'll probably read a paragraph or two at some point uh, from the book. And so WASPy Nazreen is a National Geographic explorer and a National Geographic adventurer, and the only woman to hold these two titles simultaneously. Although she is most known for being the only Bangladeshi and the first Bengali in the world to climb the seven summits, and that's also known as the highest mountain, the highest peaks on all seven continents, uh, her passion uh, has always been driven by causes close to her heart. She has won numerous national and global awards for her activism uh, and commitment to empowering women through the field of adventure. She was named by Outside Magazine as one of 40 women in the last 40 years who have advanced and challenged the outdoor world through their leadership, innovation, and athletic feats. And she was named by Men's Journal as one of the 25, one of 25 most adventurous women of the past 25 years. As an expedition expert, she takes leaders on journeys into nature to con connect with self, humanity, and the earth, so that together we can commit to solutions that will create positive change on our planet. The award-winning short film Waspia, produced by Apple, can be seen at waspianazarene.com or on National Geographic. And not, uh, Waspia was working on her memoir and two television projects based out of L.A. when she was hit by COVID-19. And so I am going to attempt to bring Waspia into um, this conversation on NY. So, Waspi, I sent you the invite, so you should have that now. I see you. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Okay. I can. I can. And folks, we're 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 um, Jerry rigging the uh, the audio. Uh, so if if any any problems with the audio pop up, let us know because uh, we're kind of uh, hacking our way through this right now to make sure that this oh gets recorded, which. I didn't start recording. <laughs> all right. So um, for all of you just joining, uh, we just uh, introduced Waspi Nasreen. Uh, besides all those wonderful things that you heard uh, that she, she's done, uh, including some of the highest mountains on all seven continents, um, she has been battling for over the last few weeks um, COVID-19. And so Waspi, it's so great to see you. Uh, I'm, I'm so uh, happy that, that you're on the road to recovery. Uh, can you share with folks uh, your journey over the last few weeks and, and you know, how, you, how you contracted it and, and, and how, you, how you have been battling it? Well, first of all, thank you for having me and creating <clears throat> this series. Um, actually, I just realized because it's 11th April Bangladesh time and I flew into Los Angeles back in, I guess, March 12th, and uh, it was after a back-to-back -back speaking series and a few adventures in Hawaii, so my body was already very tired. So 
only later I found out from the doctors that actually when I was stuck in LAX, which is the you know airport, that's when there was a huge crowd coming in all from all over Europe because you know US just had this order to for everyone to return, and I was stuck in that for a long time, and that's probably where I got exposed to the virus. And uh, speaking of which, it also depends how long you've been exposed to it. Um, and I didn't know all this till much later. So um, the day after when I was at home, I just felt very, you know, tired and lethargic. And I just thought, you know, my body uh, was catching up from all the work that I was doing. And then I guess that was Friday, Saturday, Saturday, I was trying to feel a little better. Sunday 15th, I started with the shivers and temperature, really high temperature, 103. And, you know, to the point where my brain and head uh, was like um, throbbing at a rate that I've never experienced. And obviously, right away, I started getting in touch to get medical help. And one of the reasons, and I do want to specifically mention this, because one of the questions that I get a lot from people is like, oh, my God, if COVID did this to you, such a you know high performing athlete then what would it do to me now i got very unlucky because i didn't when i first got the symptoms it took me about a week to get help proper help from it i was not getting the assistance from medical um I was, it's not, it wasn't just me. Many people in Los Angeles weren't being able to access medical help. And also there were criterias like back in the, that was about a month ago. So back then they were only taking in 65 plus who were like high risk. But uh, now we know better. Now we know that we're also like, it can actually attack anyone. So that whole, you know, not being able to get tested initially, not being able to get access to, you know, uh, hospitals, that kind of deteriorated my uh, condition drastically because each and every single day. So, so when you when you went there to try and get medical help, what were you told? <laughs> they just asked me to take a, a Tylenol or a paracetamol and go to sleep, basically. And it wasn't in one hospital. I went to four different hospitals and, you know, with using all my connections in L.A. And I know people, I know teenagers like uh, the 17-year-old uh, who passed in Los Angeles. He was refused because he didn't have uh, an insurance. So it's not just happening to me. It's just And in the beginning, when COVID first arrived, uh, so I was part of the first phase, there were all these protocols, right? They, were, they only had it had the test kits available for certain criteria, 65 plus uh, who had major risk factors like, you know, heart attacks or other conditions. So even when we look globally, the countries who's been able to contain COVID or been able to deal with it, they all had tests available. Now things have changed in Los Angeles. They have made it, you know, they're bringing in um, a lot. California is bringing in a lot of tests. Anyway, so then... Um, by Monday, I guess the 16th night, um, my lungs were having crackling sounds. And anyone who has traveled to high altitude, we know that that's not good. And I was, you know, I'm, I, I, I have high tolerance of pain. So I know that even the little minute pain is a big, big factor. Um, and I was shivering. And there were moments when I felt like, you know, there was a vacuum cleaner in my, like, uh, in, inside my throat that was pumping my air out. I couldn't sleep. I lost all appetite. I, uh, sometimes I wouldn't even hear properly. My, my 
or have like really hard ringtones. And then my body was just having shivers in very different formats. So long story short, uh, during that week, I also being vegan um, and not being able to access, you know, everyone knows in US there was a whole shortage of everyone was piling up in groceries. So I didn't get access to the food I was eating. Uh, I didn't get protein. And knowing that I was already, I had a feeling that I had had the virus. So I did, I wasn't going out. I was trying to send my friends when they went to grocery, like they wouldn't get anything. There were huge lines. So I ended up feeding on processed carbs for a week, not, not being aware of the fact that processed carb, sugar, and dairy, which I don't take the latter two, uh, also multiplies the virus. So accidentally, I in the first week, I did. I just basically killed myself a lot yeah. things that I could have avoided. And I'm sharing that so that people in other countries where, you know, and this, these are very uh, extreme symptoms. There are people who can still not show any of these symptoms and still carry it. There are children who can carry it. So, you know, you can be, now we know that, you know, you can be a symptomatic or, you know, you can show the symptoms or you can't, you know, mm -hmm. you could, you could be an invisible carrier of it. Right. So only this week, which is my fourth week running, doctor told me that I was, when that whole episode happened, where my breathing had almost stopped at nighttime, you know, they had to come in at 7 a.m. Um, I was actually battling pneumonia. Um, and they, they specifically it was you know hidden from me because my heart was not in a stable place and i was already having a lot of panic and anxiety and stress and dealing with it all by myself in a foreign country you know she my doctor she made a really wise call not to tell give me the news because all the news around us was you know either pneumonia related deaths or heart issues so she she waited till i crossed that stage to tell me i still have a virus have the virus in me, uh, but I have a long recovery. Anyone with pneumonia, as you may know, takes a while to recover. Mm -hmm. So I've been put on further quarantine, one month of rest and heavy dose of nutrition, as well as, you know, some, I'm taking some Chinese herbal uh, medicine. Um, I also got tested again yesterday. <clears throat> uh, was it yesterday or day before yesterday? I still have a lot of trouble sleeping. I haven't been able to get sleep because like last night, and this is what I was telling you this morning that I'm alive because last night what happened is, you know, every time I've been able to sleep, even fall asleep for an hour, I wake up panicking, thinking that I'm going to choke to sleep, which has happened in the second week. Um, I've even had friends, you know, be live on video call while the whole night to keep track, but I wouldn't be able to sleep because so this morning I actually when I slept for two hours, I had a really bad nightmare that someone was choking me and, um, you know, I wake up, I guess it's sleep apnea and uh, I wake up being all ruffled in my bed sheet. Um, and I had a call with my therapist earlier this morning and she says that there's a lot of trauma that you know the body's been storing and it's very natural to you know have all these right now um i'm still on sleeping herbal medicine and even with three really strong dose i'm not being able to sleep and if i don't sleep my body's not gonna heal so sleeping is very important to get the nervous system uh, grounded
Yeah, so a bu there's a bunch of stuff there that I want to talk about. The, the first, first is just <clears throat> to let everybody know that that doesn't know this, you're a world-class endurance athlete. So a world-class endurance athlete that, you know, had such a horrible time with this. Um, and, you know, you mentioned about how uh, carbohydrates and sugar, you know, basically you're feeding the virus, right? You're helping the virus. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and, and what people can, you know, what nutrition, nutritional steps people can take uh, to, to help boost their immune system? And then also if they get, you know, if they get the virus to help uh, ward it off. Well, I'm vegan, so my diet won't necessarily match with rest of the people who are listening. But I think it varies from person to person. If you're if you're a sugar addict, cut out everything. I mean, you, CDC already has a lot on you know how you should be quitting smoking and all that stuff. But other than that, you know, sugar is not good. If you haven't gotten it, then elderberry is really good. Uh, to boost up your immune system. But if you've already gotten it, then elderberry is toxic for you right now. And, you know, there's a whole list of things that maybe we can publish later, uh, but definitely not processed carb, uh, no dairy. Dairy does not help at all. Uh, protein is always good, but a lot of vitamin C, these are preventative though, you know, these don't cure you. Uh, but uh, just having a healthy lifestyle walking around even now throughout my sickness my doctor's been you know pushing me to you know have some kind of movement going on uh, even if i my body is really weak uh, yeah. but the key is really the mental peace right now um, because the body our entire immune system our entire nervous system our digestive like they don't function unless we are in a piece of uh, a place of peace <coughs> so so i, I you know, even, and, and you bring up a really good point about the positive attitude, because even I think in your darkest time over the last few weeks, you've somehow found a way to put positive messages out on Facebook and, and your other channels and basically share um, pointers and tips for folks uh, to help them get through that. And and most of that, I think, was was based on just your mindset, right, on, on how to psychologically uh, get through this. Can you Can you speak to any of that? Yeah, I do want to talk about the fact that even if I'm giving positive messages, I have been waking up with depression, you know, I can see it. And um, I think it's very important to talk about it. I think everyone right now globally is for there, whether you've gotten COVID or not, we are witnessing, I mean, we are experiencing some form of depression, grief, sadness. Um, there's so much uncertainty, fear anxiety whether we agree or not we are like low like just collectively and i think it's you know all of us need to be very transparent about mental health and be there for each other can you hear me yeah i'm, just, yeah. I'm getting i'm getting an echo now so okay so um but what i've you know i've for those who know me i've had decades of meditation practice with my teacher so they've been really helping me even though i haven't been able to sit for that long so before COVID, I literally had a schedule where I wake up 4 a.m., sit for uh, two hours of practice before I go to my physical gym. Just like we have to go to, you know, work out our body, we have to train our mind, right? So that's, that's been part of my discipline. But 
even with all that practice it's very hard and even though i have had that practice i do experience depression but it's it's the practice of being able to sit with it and you and i were talking about fear earlier is um many people are experiencing fear and you know from the externally i've had friends tell me oh you don't have to deal with it because you've already conquered fear that's that's like such a wrong thing to assume and project we're all human beings like we all experience pain sadness uh, grief uh, and it's it's becoming so funny because we did a whole live on facebook and most of the feedback was like oh nothing will happen to you because la 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 you're immortal almost like <laughs> you know what i mean like you're a, you're it's and a superhero yeah but superhero <laughs> but it's like i'm a human being i'm i have you know i experience body pain i experience mental pain maybe the only difference is how we are able to cope with it or deal with it and you know it's been very important for me to just sit with fear and i think when we say fear it's often taken as a negative thing but the way i see it is it's it's a really good thing to have a fear there's healthy fear and there's unhealthy fear right 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 i mean i don't know well, how do you feel <laughs> yeah so uh i i think you know fear has its evolutionary importance um right but we should be afraid of things like you know tigers if we're walking through the <laughs> if we see a tiger we should be afraid that and do something we fear should be uh if, you know you should act you know fear should be something that that causes you to act for your own survival but what we tend to do is we don't get fearful of things that are happening we get fearful of things that might happen and i think that's the part that's really unhealthy is to worry about all these things that might happen uh we need to prepare i mean we need to be taking precautions we need to be doing all the things for instance like the cdc is saying to protect ourselves uh, but beyond that we can't just we can't be obsessed with it and a lot of what we take in whether that's the nutrition that we take in or what we take in as our form of entertainment or our our way to pass the day if if you're obsessed with all the covid-19 hype uh and that's all you're doing all day long is is watching the latest you know sensationalized news program you're not doing your body any good you're not doing your immune system any good because what that does is it dumps cortisol in your blood bloodstream which lowers your immune system <laughs> so the very fact that you're worrying about covid-19 makes you more susceptible to it but you know i you've had some amazing experiences in your life some really really physically challenging experiences you know summoning the highest peak on all seven continents um and actually you invited me to come with you on one of those I think it was back in 2015 uh, 2014 uh but I was too afraid no <laughs> no you weren't no. <laughs> but but I mean when when you're in the dark place of 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 fighting fighting you know your body and 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 trying to push your body to do things that your body doesn't want to do uh, are there any comparisons that you can draw between the experiences you've had summoning those those peaks and and what you've experienced over the last few weeks um are there any are there any parallels you can draw oh my god there's so many parallels but i think more than the physical the first is loneliness you know being yeah. like i've been literally in a jail and especially with this illness it's beyond any mountains i've peaked because 
A, not even my friends can come near me. You know, I can literally kill you right now. So just the just being in like I've had a lot of meditation retreats where we go into 10 day retreat or 20, you know, isolation. I've had a lot of isolation experience on the mountains in nature, but this is being and to know that you're actually lethal. I can actually kill someone if I'm around someone and, you know, for a month I haven't been except for when my doctors visited me with their all their gears on to just accept that mentally was very difficult uh for the first week or so because you're you know also my nervous system my brain wasn't necessarily in the best place at that time um so that's been very painful but like you said before you know how the difference between healthy fear and unhealthy fear uh healthy fear is knowing that a very high speed car is coming so you don't cross when it's coming Right. but also unhealthy fear is not being so fearful that you stop crossing the road right and so right. Right. it's been a daily struggle to just being able to sit with that fear this sit, sit with all those loneliness and honestly what you term you know what you use the term orbital perspective that's what i've been feeling throughout it all after i sit with my fear and anxiety and a lot of time it's anxiety of anxiety instead of just anxiety you know what's going to happen and given also that our work stopped you know i still have to pay rent i still have to pay all the medical bills and you know the financial part of it the, not just financial but just future in general i've put that all that in a box you know um i've had to make my will in the last uh, three weeks just being prepared logistically uh because i'm here alone my family is in bangladesh you know what's going to happen who has who's going to come and get my body should something happen like you know having to deal with all that while i'm in that illness um so sorry i went totally <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah there are a lot of parallels in the mountain but i think this covid experience was completely beyond anything i have had to deal with in the mountains yeah. like you know mountains really prepared me but this is this is a real deal uh yeah yeah so so you know part of the th- there's really two objectives of these conversations one one objective is to help people get through this not not only get through if if they happen to ha- get covid-19 but to get through you know all the psychological you know the 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 isolation the, the the potentially depression the sadness you know every all the emotions that we're all feeling because literally for the first time in human history every single person on the planet is undeniably faced with an existential threat so this this cliche <laughs> that we're all in this together is no longer a cliche it it is the reality of the world that we live in and so but the other thing is you know we're people like you you've paid a, you've paid a horrible price uh for this virus and you're you're continuing to pay your your entire you 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 came to the threshold of death uh you you are still still battling it and and many many people are are paying um a price uh even if they're not infected you know everybody's paying some type of economic financial price emotional price and so part of the reason why we're having these conversations is to is to talk about ways that we can come out the other side of this stronger more unified so that the price that we're already paying we get some type of benefit from it and so maybe maybe we can get a little philosophical and go down that road and to do that i wanted to i wanted to read um from <coughs> the orbital perspective because i want to introduce everybody to to what uh how we got to know each other well, it's not through the book but we we like i said we met in bangladesh in 
uh, and when I heard your story, I wanted I wanted to include your story uh, in the book. And so um, let me just read this real quick. Um, Years later, back on Earth, the words of another person with a similar experience helped me understand the deeper implications of the experience. My friend Wasri Nazarene is on an amazing quest to summit the highest peaks on all seven continents. So obviously this was written before you actually did it. She embarked on the quest on the 40th anniversary of the birth of Bangladesh as a country, beginning by summoning Mount Kilimanjaro in October 2011. The Bangladesh on Seven Summits campaign seeks to raise awareness for women's rights in Wasia's home country. That <coughs> celebrates women's strength and progress over the past four decades and calls upon the youth of Bangladesh to take on responsibilities and new challenges to move the country forward. In discussing climbing Mount Everest, Wasfia wrote, on the summit of Everest, the overriding feeling was that of gratitude, which literally made me feel I was connected to every single human, human being out there, though my heart in reality crawled all alone. Sitting on the top, I felt tinier than a bug mm. leeching on the expansive stretch of these Himalayan gods and goddesses. An intense amount of respect and love flowed through me for the courage and dedication my ancestors have gifted me. Then I went on to say, so that was a quote, obviously, from Wasfi. But then I, I went on to say, what really struck me in Wasfi's description of her experience was that overriding feeling of gratitude, which in some way connected her to every single human being. This was exactly what I experienced in space, immense <coughs> gratitude for the opportunity to see Earth from this vantage and for the gift of the planet we've been given. In some way I can't explain, being physically detached from the Earth made me feel deeply interconnected with everyone on it. I distinctly remember this feeling of profound thankfulness, but Waspia's words helped me process the awareness of the interconnectedness of the inhabitants of the planet. And so I, I, I hope everybody feels that right now, because <laughs> it's pretty obvious that we are all not only interconnected, but interdependent. Um, and so is there anything that you can share with us to, to help us you know, find a path out of this darkness, a path that leads to, to more shared strength and, and more unity? Yeah, I think I my biggest hope is when we come out of, because it's not just my struggle, right? It's everyone's going through this, that those who are actually in power to make decisions for the earth, um, we make Mother Earth part of the equation, you know, like we on not just Mother Earth, but those, the real heroes and heroines that we've been seeing from the garbage collector to, you know, those people who are actually in the front line, keeping the system on, who are risking their life. We make them, it's high time because I, I just feel like we just don't learn. And this is Mother Nature's is going to throw this, keep throwing this. Um, so how do we continue these conversations where we involve, because, you know, you and I can change so much, but it's really up to a very uh, small portion of people who make the decisions for us, right? Um, so it's important that we don't forget uh, about this interconnectedness. I think everyone now knows, regardless of religion, regardless of our background, we all can be affected from it, right? Um, And I don't know what's your, I mean, you've, you have so much more insight than this is. How do we make the leaders part of this conversation? Yeah, I, I think that we underestimate the power of an individual person, too. I think, and the reason why we do is because we look at everything at such a, a short time frame. We, we, you know, we can't see 
beyond right. three, three weeks from now. But when you look at things over the course of, of a long time frame, every single person is immensely powerful and every decision and every word and action that they do ripples out exponentially. And, you know, collective action, I think, it can really move the needle both uh, long-term and short-term. So how it, how it does long-term is because, because it ripples out and, and it affects everything else. But short-term, you know, the, the more people that come together and refuse to accept the status quo, that refuse to say, you know what, we're not going back to where we were. Let's go back, let's go to somewhere even better. Let's, let's, let's use this as, a, as uh, an opportunity to, to change some of these things that, that have, have affected us. And I think, we're, I think we as a people uh, are incredibly powerful and it's not a cliche. I really, I really truly yeah. believe that when we, when we uh, unify, when we get behind something when we, and when we refuse to, to accept the status quo, uh, I, think, I, I think that we can move mountains. Um, and we're starting to see, I mean, we're start, starting to see some of the effects of, you know, you know, not having this daily attack on the earth every day. And we're starting to realize that we have things completely upside down, that we treat everything on our planet, uh, including the very life support systems of our planet, and including all the people that live on this planet as the wholly owned subsidiary of the global economy. But the reality is that it's exactly the opposite. It's, it's, our economy is dependent on our society and our society is dependent and embedded in the biosphere that we call earth. Yeah. And so because we, we treat everything, uh, you know, our cultural systems, our political systems, our business systems treat everything as resources to be, and resources to be exploited by the global economy, including people. Uh, you know, that's, that's why we're in a lot of the problems that we see right now. And so, by coming through this stronger, becoming, by coming through this more unified, it will enable us to be able to deal with the next crisis that comes down the road at us much, much better. If we go back to the way we've always done things, you know, this, this is a wake-up call. This is a call to action. This is, this is a unifying call to action. And if we hit the snooze button on this wake-up call, the next crisis uh, could be even worse. What? Um, we have some questions. Can we take them or? Yeah, let's, let's, let, let's, sorry. We, we, I know there's questions have been going by and we haven't been, uh, no, them, so, but, but send them now and we'll, and we'll see them. Um, so Morshid Mishu, an artist from Bangladesh, he asked you, what are the difference do you find between being in space and staying at home in this pandemic? Oh, well, the view is better in space. <laughs> 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 uh, I mean, there, there is a lot of similarities. Um, uh, you know, I could, I could walk out into my backyard and go outside right now. Um, it's a lot harder to walk, to float out into my backyard and on the space station. As a matter of fact, I only had a six months in space. I only got to do that four times. Uh, and most of that was in the first two weeks. Um, but you know, what, what keeps us going on the space station, um, is feeling a connection with, with home. Uh, however you define home. Uh, and uh, I, I think what's, what really helps is, is keeping connected with people that you love, keep, keeping connected with uh, your friends, keeping connected with people who bring you joy and, and lift you up. And we have all kinds of technology now to, to do that. I mean, right now we're on Instagram Live. Um, there's so many different... Um, Wait, so you did that when you were in space? 
Yeah, so once a week we had uh, video conferences uh, with family members. We also had a, an IP phone uh, that we could use to call people up. And, and that was always fun, calling people from space. Um, what about the rest of the time? Uh, well, we were pretty busy. So that's the other <laughs> thing is, is we keep pretty busy. So it's hard to get it's hard to get bored when you're when you're really really busy right but whenever we weren't busy and we weren't connecting with home we were looking out the window and we were looking out the window because because it's just indescribably beautiful to see the planet from that perspective and it's always changing um and and it is uplifting and you know that's you know going back to reading that excerpt from the overall perspective what we both shared and the reason why i wrote about your story in the book was this feeling of connectedness of, of being interconnected with everybody on the planet it's not we're not from the earth when we're in space we're of the earth right we're we're a part of the earth we were we were created through the earth mm. um and we're, and we're part of the earth and so um i think if you have the opportunity to safely go out into nature um, my wife and I went on a hike uh, yesterday um, and we didn't see anybody on the entire time. We, we found a place where, where we didn't think anybody was going to be there and they, and they weren't. So if you have that opportunity to get out into nature, I think that's a really, really uh, good thing to do. Unfortunately, most cities aren't following that. Uh, I had to rush to hospital two days ago wearing, you know, covered up. They wanted to test me again and despite the lockdown there are so many people not maintaining physical distance and just like going about in the park so it's kind of and that's not just in LA that's everywhere you know uh, yeah I mean we should be yeah. we should be treating those you know keeping social distance wearing the proper PPE you know taking all the precautions Masks. should should be seen as as an act of service because you are saving lives by doing that. Um, not only, yeah. I mean, not only you're, you are not only protecting yourself, you're protecting everybody that's around you. Um, and so we had, you know, we had masks when we, when we went up there and, uh, and we found a place that was, was uh, deserted or remote. So um, were there any, uh, were there other questions? A lot of people are wishing me get well soon and things like that. I'm really grateful. Thank you so much. Yes, it is being recorded, right? So they yes. can show it to others. We, yes. I think we're being recorded somewhere else, right? Um, so we'll try to upload that. It's We're going to have a cutoff point by the... 15, uh, 20 minutes. Yeah, sorry. okay. Yeah, 15, 20 minutes. <clears throat> Systems need to change as well. Thanks for the reminder from Mehnaz. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, also been, I mean... I've been reflecting on that too, but like, you know, the systems that we have collectively created don't function anymore, you know, don't serve us. And that's been, um, I think, an overriding conversation, right? Yeah. So we got a question from the director of the film's overview and planetary, who's asking, how do you think the crisis will change us as a species? Ooh, you take that one. <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm hesitating because change us to, as a species, yeah. Yeah, it has to. It has to change us. This is a we're in a fork in the road right now. You know, we're we're coming to a split in the path, and we need to be able to go down the right the right path because one one path leads to I think a a restorative positive future, a positive future where you know we, we truly are one human family. We all take care of each other. Uh, a future that we'd all want to be a, a part of. And then the other path 
leads to um, destruction, basically. And, you know, I think COVID-19 is a symptom of an underlying root problem. Uh, and the underlying root problem is we don't we don't see how interconnected, how interdependent we all are. We, we think we act in a vacuum and we think that our, our systems are independent systems when they're not systems. Every, every business is not an independent business. Every business it can be a node in a fabric of prosperity, right? It could be an interdependent node in a, in a fabric of prosperity. Every person is not an individual is is not an individual in a vacuum, right? Every person affects everybody else. Every country affects everything else, and every nation ha has a responsibility to their citizens to to seek their own national interests. But those national interests have to be sought in the context of the entire planet, because we live on an interdependent planet with an interdependent biosphere, and so we see very clearly. And this and this virus is a perfect example that what happens on one part of the planet can have disastrous results everywhere else. Um, and and this is just one example. This is just one of the wake-up calls we've been given. And hopefully, like I said, this will be a wake-up call that we don't have the snooze button on. And we come out the other side of this, that, to answer Guy's question, we come out of this, uh, the other side of this more unified, uh, more cooperative uh, than we were before and more, and more willing to endure some, a little bit of discomfort for the safety of others. Um, uh, and and realize, you know, there's this whole saying, you know, you can help your help yourself by helping others. That, that's so true. I mean, when you yeah. when you when you sacrifice a little bit of comfort to to help somebody else, you're boosting your immune system. <laughs> you know, there's a positive benefit to that. And so I think uh, I, I, hopefully that's the path that we're going to come down. What do you what do you think, Was? No, I totally agree. And I think um, you know, in the collective chaos, when things become so-called normal we tend to forget, like, for example, since I've gotten my breath back, I've just been feeling so much gratitude for the air I breathe. And we don't have that. We often lose that perspective, you know, when things get busy. And I think when we come out of it, like, we need to hold on to those lessons and, you know, the simple things that make us live. Like, I'm I'm sitting with each part of my body, my organs on a daily basis going like we take so much for granted. And that's, you know, starting from my body to on a planetary level, not just the people are co co commenting about humans, but also the animal realms like we have we are have been destroying wildlife habitats. We've been completely like we, we don't have enough gratitude for every part of Mother Earth. And just when we are going through it to be aware of it, but not you know, forget as soon as we get out. So I think once we, I mean, for me, as soon as I heal up, I'm going to, you know, get back and do everything in my powers too. So I don't forget and the lessons from it, but it has to be in a united effort, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. So, so I have, a, I have a, a question for you and uh, it's, it's, it's twofold. One is, um, you know, when, when you, when you were going through some really, really rough times over the last couple of weeks um, and you were having problems breathing and, and you weren't getting enough oxygen probably and all that, did you have anything in your experience space, you know, something being on the top of the mountains and, and did, did, did at any time you're like, okay, I've been here before. Uh, I know how to get through this. Um, did, did, did any of that hap happen? And 
were you able to draw on that to keep a positive attitude and and what kind of suggestions can you give people to to be able to keep a positive attitude through this it's funny because i was actually going to email you right after that because i it was it was literally the conversation you and i had when i came down of everest and someone had introduced us saying oh she just came down from the top of the world i don't know if you remember this and they this introduced you yeah and they introduced yeah. us you as oh he just came down from space several whatever weeks ago or months ago and i was like well i can't really topple that but i think what you didn't know at that time was i was also at that point um dealing with a lot of depression because there was this interconnect this this strong clarity of interconnectedness that i felt on the summit of the top of the world that as soon as i came down to so called civilization you know there was all this media hype and people thought i was happy but i was dealing with a lot internally that only someone like you would understand because you've had the perspective and that's why i think our conversations took off at that time and similarly when i was suffocating and you know there was a period of 3 hours when i couldn't get access when i was choking there was you know to call an ambulance it was another 5000 and it was until 7 am that i got a hold of a doctor so this happened from 3 am to 7 am and during those 3 hours which seemed like 3 years like where i was just gasping to stay alive at the same time throughout all this physical pain I just felt so connected to every not just the people that I know but just earth and earth like every single being and every single experience that I've had and every like my you know your entire life kind of flashes through you like random things like random people you've crossed in Heathrow airport to like you know good experiences bad experiences not so good you know like it was just a whole trip and I can't experience it but I at the same time I was talking to my friend about this like before I got covid I was in Hawaii literally having the most intimate experience with nature and so when I got locked down in that you know not being able to breathe I was literally feeling like whales jumping in the pacific at the same time feeling you know but being able to see it from a place of just gratitude for everything that we have been collectively going through i'm not being able to articulate it no, but no, someday I, I, well i know exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like it was like and you know of course the worldly questions come into your mind like oh who's going to take care of the daughters i look you know i have two kids in nepal or you know the logistical part of it how is my brother going to know like at that time none of my family members even knew about what was going through um so those go but the overriding theme was that interconnectedness again right. you know right. and even in my worst loneliness and before i knew it you know during before i could get hospital uh, attention my i have four main meditation teachers they were actually holding me from four different parts of the world in meditation helping me navigate through those realms Th- these are some of the practices that we have been doing even before this started is you know dying every day as, as pessimistic as it sounds but it's not dying it's not like dying as in the physical death everything changes every moment changes right, so right, right. we experience death every moment but how do we awaken because every single moments have a transformation point you know the more in um, in our practice we say that the more negative 
things that you experience, the more opportunities you get to transform. Exactly. exactly. Um, if life was all smooth, then we wouldn't be learning anything, you know. Exactly. So how do we transform all our obstacles, all our anxieties into um, awareness and tools of empowerment, basically? Yeah, we have a tremendous opportunity right now for, for, for not only self-improvement and growth individually, but as a species. Right. We, we, we've all been sent to our rooms to, <laughs> to, spend, to spend some time and, and think about this stuff. And, and the interconnectedness that you talk about, I, I think you know, many, many people have experienced this. And, and you're a perfect example that you don't have to go to space to, to experience that. Um, but once you have experienced that, and, it's, and it's, it's such a deep experience, it's so real, it's so true, it's so undeniable, that at least with me, it filled me with this incredible sense of of a contradiction. You know, you feel on the one hand the beauty of being interconnected, that you're part of this this fabric of life. You're part of this, you know, teeming, vibrant um, expression of life on the one hand. But then you see how we treat it, and we see how we treat each other, and and you see all the suffering on on the planet, and it and it it, it felt it felt filled me with just this sense of of a reluctance, a refusal to accept the status quo. That it's not okay. It's not okay that five thousand kids die every day from a waterborne disease. You know, we're talking about COVID nineteen, but every single day, five thousand children die from waterborne disease that are completely yeah. preventable. There's no reason that needs to happen, and so this uh, this crisis is is hopefully focusing us focus you know showing us how interconnected how interdependent we all are and hopefully that will lead to a refusal by more and more people to accept the status quo to to accept facts like that i just brought up you know because we we know there's hundreds and hundreds of those type of facts that are things that are happening on the planet right now that are completely utterly preventable but somehow we're okay, we, we accept it as just just the way things are and so uh, we're getting a little wake-up call that things aren't always going to be just the way they are that, we, that we're going to need to change um we have a few other questions uh where again you're, you know, a, you're have... a great host <laughs> no but i i do want to get to it because it's it's been like a lot of people have been asking me is like please, you know please. like you were saying that you know you're an astronaut i'm a whatever explorer but what about how do we take this you know uh i guess amandine is asking what are your lessons for this time uh from the i can't read it it's covered from the rarefied places you have both been to something not available to most people also, given that I'm from Bangladesh, where majority of the people uh, don't have the same kind of, you know, um, privileges that a lot of us do, they can't take shelter at home, you know, and how do we deal, how do we take these lessons for countries like mine, where how do we deal with it is like, how do you prep the nation of 100, almost an approaching 170 million people most countries in South Asia, like um, not just for COVID, but for the things that are going to be in the future. Now I'm the host and you're the... No, <laughs> oh, I have to answer that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I, I think it starts with, with a refusal to accept the status quo, that the way things are are not the way things have to be. 
And, uh, and I think also by, by taking them, by, by dealing with the real problems that we are faced in the context of the real world. And, and, the, and the real world is, is multidimensional. It's not two-dimensional. It's, it's very, very interdependent. Um, and, you know, things like, you know, isolationism doesn't work. It's, it, we, don't, <laughs> we don't live in that world. You know, we live yeah. in a world where everything is connected. And if we try and, if we try and treat symptoms we're going to be treating symptoms. We're going to be slapping band-aids on symptoms for the rest of eternity. How we are going to solve these things is getting at the root cause of the problems. Um, and I think that's, that's a, that's a topic for a whole nother, whole nother discussion. Yeah, because, we, you know, for many different places, the warnings were given a long time ago and, yeah. you know, and so we could have pre prepared better um, if we had listened. So I think it again yeah. comes down to, you know, that authenticity of being able to deal with, are you looking at the time we're about to yeah, get know, cut off I soon? Um, I know there are many other questions. And well, one I, think, is... I, I think one key part here is to go back to something we talked about before is, is how important every individual person is. Because what we need to do is get to a critical number of people who, right. who want to make a difference, who see, who see the right path to get on, who, who aren't listening to all the noise that's, that's steering us uh, astray. And so um, I, I want everybody to have hope. I, and, and I think you are a good example of, of hope and perseverance. And um, can we just close with a couple of words from you on how to persevere through this and how to, and how to make the best of this opportunity? Or if God forbid somebody gets um, stricken by COVID-19, how, how, you know, what you, what advice you would give folks to, to get through that? Well, my, just don't, my first point is don't give fear a place. It's good to be educated and do your research and worry about it, but from a healthy standpoint, because as soon as you give fear a space, you're, it's going to backfire on you and you're going to get make it worse. Right now, given that we're almost many phases within the virus, there's a lot of information, like verified information, of course, only stick to those. Listen to your health professionals, listen to or, you know, cut off from news and social media sharing and all that. Uh, educate yourself, prepare yourself better and look for symptoms and take, of course, the precautions that everyone, if you can, and assuming most people who's tuned in today are in a place to take precautions like staying home um, depending on which places you're in like we're not yet to stop the lockdown it's going to be a while don't just just because some people are saying that lockdown is over don't don't listen to that and in terms of perseverance and hope like honestly like we have to have hope you know like there there is always a way out and with if we have the you know as cliched as it sounds, if there's a will, there's a way. Like, if, if anything that led me out of this dark period, hopefully I'm out, like I have a long recovery, but from the place that I was in, all by myself, alone in a foreign country, it was that every day when I went to bed, not, even not being able to sleep, I just knew there is light in the, in the end of the tunnel. And it's mm -hmm. a matter of time and patience and also reflection about not just yourself, but the rest of the world and the time that we're in. Hopefully we will be that generation, you know, who 
we'll say, you know, like how our ancestors that we lived through the plague, you know, um, and we will come out of it as a, as a, but we need like more than ever before, like we need to let go of our ego, come unite against all boards, you know, like across, like even someone being an activist in my entire life, like I'm willing to work with every you know, single entity that I've protested against all my life, because now is not the time for any of that. You know, now right, is the time. Right. Now is the time of, for unity. Yeah. yeah, more than ever before. So, so yeah, it's really good advice that you shouldn't worry and shouldn't have fear. But I have to admit, I have a confession. Yeah. When I when I heard that you that you had COVID nineteen and and how sick you were, I was really worried and and fearful for you. And I'm so it's so wonderful to see you um, and to see that you are on the road to recovery. Uh, Wasya, I love you. Uh, I, I am love you I am so proud of you. Um, you are a light. I, I mean what was amazing was even in the, even in your darkest time, you were a light for everybody else. You were, all you were doing was thinking about others and trying to get the word out. And so um, you're my hero. <laughs> and, oh, uh, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> you're but, my hero. Uh, right, I, and thank I, you for being there. And thanks to everyone who's been with me in this journey, because, you know, one of the things even from my journeys across the world is it doesn't mean anything if we're not able to share it with others. Yeah, we're going to get through this. Yeah. We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this stronger uh, and uh, better than before. And uh, Thank you so much. So, and everybody out there, hang in there. And thanks for... Uh, we got this. We got you. Yeah, we got this. And thanks for joining us on Conversation Shelter in Place. <laughs> so we, spe we're, we spared no expense on it in our graphics department. For <laughs> <laughs> That's cool graphics, by the way. <laughs> So, thank you, everyone. Thank you, thank you, Wasu. Thanks everybody for tuning thank you, in, Ron. and we'll get this up. We'll get this up on the on the interwebs. <coughs> Stay safe, everybody. Thank you for joining us during this conversation from the orbital perspective, and thank you for being a part of an emerging unity on our planet. We are strongest when we are aligned around the truth of our underlying unity. Together, we are unstoppable and can build a positive, restorative future, a future that we would all want to be a part of. Please subscribe to the Orbital Perspective podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for all that you're doing and all that you will do to help make life on our planet as beautiful as it looks from space. <laughs>